0: Welcome, everyone, to the uh, Blame the Internet podcast, or BTI. Uh, in this, It's the first episode, and um, in general, what we're going to be covering is eSports, uh, specifically uh, CSGO, Overwatch, League of Legends, Smash, COD, and the new game, Valorant. Um, in general, we're probably going to be talking about some roster changes, uh, competitive uh, placements in recent tournaments, as well as overall meta changes in some of these games. And I uh, have with me uh, Tikan and Noah, who are hiding behind the mic over there. So, hello, say hello, folks. Uh, um, and in general, um, I think that we're going to also cover some general gaming news, like the recent poll at ESPN posted about the, um, the number one most valued gamer I think it was or what was the
1: poll Noah? It was like uh just the number one like figure in esports. Covered all yeah, anything we're Yeah, so like stuff
0: like that is what we're gonna be highlighting. We're gonna try to do this every single week. Um and yeah, so we we'll get into it. Uh Noah if you wanna we're so the way that we're gonna structure this we'll probably go title by title. Yeah. Have some um uh each of us kinda has our specific games that we Um, put a little more time into watching. So we'll probably end up putting some timestamps on YouTube into uh, which games we're going to be covering at what time. So if you want to skip ahead to that, you can go ahead and do so now. You can check below. But uh, yeah, Noah, if you want to start talking about some of the updates in the Smash community, that'd be awesome.
1: So yeah, um, one of the biggest things going on in the Smash community right now is the focus on online play. That's kind of taken the back burner for, almost the entire history of like all of the Smash games, uh, which is really interesting due to this uh, COVID outbreak, since most players are now forced to play online. We're seeing a completely different uh, shift in tournament results. Some of the top players now are not coming in first like they used to be. They're coming in 17th now and seeing results that they would never see um, in their lifetime if they played offline, which is a, a really interesting thing going on.
0: Now, is there a player who's uh who's like noticeably fallen off to do this whole online shift?
1: Yeah, uh, a lot of them have actually. Uh I think the most notable right now is Sam Sora. I think he is currently ranked second best in the world, but off uh yeah. online he's barely seen any uh solid results. The best player in the world, MK Leo, has recently came in seventeenth at quarantine series, uh the first minor one. And he usually comes in first in almost every tournament. Uh, that he partakes in so it's a really unique thing
0: so is this is this um are they having dedicated servers or people hosting um because i know it's been varied for like different games what the situation is
1: yeah so smash is notorious for uh their online play there is no dedicated servers in smash bros it's all player to player so that becomes it's ridiculous yeah It's it's not even
0: competitive Well, I would go move down to Mexico, set up a nice little host, and pray
1: I get a good seed. Mm -hmm. It's it's definitely brutal, especially because there's already a uh, default input delay, but then that only increases depending on where you are in the world. And uh, when you host online games, you technically have, uh, or you'd want to have multiple people in the so-called arena, which is where people play online, and if you, in most games, if you spectate a game or a player, you are a third party. You're just watching them play and it's getting streamed back to you. But in Smash Bros., if you're spectating, uh, you are actually an active participant in the game. Although you can't do anything, the game recognizes you as a participant. So the more people that are watching, it will increase the lag as well because their uh, Switch consoles are getting taken into account.
0: Now, is this even playable? Like, if you're watching events, is it like super obvious that people are getting frustrated? Like, do they still do webcams? Like, is it become pretty obvious that this is not going to be sustainable, or are people still going to be hosting these these majors
1: or minors? So, in general, if to like the common player, it's pretty uh, hard to catch that it's kind of lagged or delayed. Um, Mm. You mainly pick this up by pro players not doing the combos they want to. Um, One of the biggest shifts are. The top, the top established characters that you can play in Smash are now ranked a lot lower, and the lower characters, which are the ones who tend to be more slower, are now seeing a lot better results because reaction speeds are drastically reduced, so you can get more bang for your buck. Um, in addition to this, there's also just the issues with connectivity. And um, I believe it was another, uh, the Moist series uh, tournament, and I think Grand Finals or Winners Finals, there was a game where uh, an opponent actually disconnected during it so it was in the middle of a round and the who was disconnected uh, i believe it was meister uh, he's uh, a top game and watch player so there are a lot of issues with this there's a lot of resentment in the smash bros competitive community where it is noticeable if you play online versus offline um and although they don't do face cams people who partake in these tournaments tend to stream so you can visibly see their frustration uh so Damn. it it is definitely hard to um deal with and this is across the fighting game community but um it's the best that we have currently obviously when uh this COVID-19 stuff tends to uh settle down and people are more around to travel uh offline play will be the new uh meta but we're dealing with online right now
2: now is there a player who's been performing especially well at these minors online it might be able to break into top 50 on land, you think
1: yeah, so there actually is like one notable player. He also does great offline, but online he's been destroying the competition. Uh his name's Cola. He plays Roy, Cloud, and Snake. Um, and he's definitely pushing the online meta a lot. Um, the characters that you don't normally see winning, like Cloud and Roy, are now getting a lot more spotlight and people are putting a lot spotlight. Yeah, Cloud it's surprising. Uh and that's what I like about this as well is Um, not just factoring the online uh, difference, but a lot of characters that you don't really see used that often um, have the potential to be played at a very high level. Uh, You saw that with Game & Watch. Everybody thought he was a low or mid-tier character and then Meister started coming onto the scene uh, months into the game's release and then everybody's putting him at a very top or high-tier spot. So it's interesting to see how there's no real solidified meta in terms of characters and you can really See how that grows and progresses as characters tap into, uh, or players cap, tap into their characters' potential.
0: Now we so got players. Oh, I mean, you characters? I was like browsing Twitter and saw something about an Animal Crossing character being entered in. Is that like a meme, or is that actually is that actually a reality?
1: So we, we, since Smash Four came out, we've had Villager, which is just the character you play as in Animal Crossing, and due to Ultimate's release, it also came with the announcement of Isabelle as a playable character. Um, These characters haven't really seen much results in offline play. Uh, You had, I think, the uh, infamous set with Bochy Bell playing one of the best snake players and winning as Isabelle. But other than that, you haven't seen many results. But now with online, you do see the uh, likes of Pokey Lamb who plays Isabelle and Villager get some solid results. So I think online as well, it tends to kind of flatten the curve and characters you normally wouldn't see win are now getting a lot more uh, potential and chances to uh, see success in tournaments.
2: Now, will Ganondorf, my personal favorite, will he be uh, a big contender on these stages online? You think? I know I've heard that on, for online play at least, Ganondorf is one of the top played characters amongst all levels, elite Smash and non-elite Smash combined. But do you think he'll be played more at these events? Will we see more Ganon?
1: So. It's funny you ask that. Uh, surprisingly, in one of the first major online tournaments in Smash Bros, Ganon made a resounding name for himself. Uh, the player uh, White. Yes. Player White Nova. Um, actually, JV3, the second best person in the world. And for those who don't know, JV3 is um, where you have two stocks left, so you only lost one stock, but you have zero percent on your second stock, so you haven't been hit once after you lost one stock. And he did that to the second player, second best player in the world, online, uh, offline. And he did that in an online tournament, which was really, really interesting to see. And we didn't get to see how the rest of that set played out because he immediately left for work, which became kind of a meme. But they did play again, and he did win for the second time in a set overall. I believe it was 3-1. You're also seeing Steve, another Ganon player, find great success. So, like I said before, with the reduced reduced reaction time potential that you have, where you can't really react to things as fast as you normally could... um, you're seeing a lot of these slower characters which high, with higher risk reward due to the slower moves tend to get a lot more positive results since their uh, slower moves are uh, easier to catch other people with.
0: Now, you were saying before about this guy going to work. Like, in a lot of our eSports at this point, that used to be uh, a thing. And a lot of these people had, um, had to have other jobs because it wasn't sustainable. Is Smash still kind of stuck in that low... Uh, Tier earnings sort of bracket for esports, or like, is there anyone at this point who's full
1: time Smash? Or, uh, I believe there's some people that are full time Smash, it's pretty like unattainable unless you're streaming and subsidizing with that oh, Twitch yeah. and YouTube money. Um, Smash is notorious for having very, very, very low uh earnings. I believe, was the...
0: like I remember reading an article about the fact that like Nintendo is. Done a terrible job supporting the Smash community, right?
1: Yeah. So there's don't they, like,
0: been... completely neglect that it exists to some extent.
1: Yeah. There's been a lot of resentment towards Nintendo with the competitive community. Um, I I, for, I don't know why it's slipping my mind, but the um, I think MLG Gaming, the old esports uh, community, actually yeah. picked up Smash, and yeah, they were told right. to cease and desist with playing Smash Bros. in uh, one of their major tournaments. So they had to drop it uh, from the from the roster originally, and they lost a lot of uh traction there. Um, and since then, Nintendo's been pretty adamant about casual play. There's been some instances where they've been supportive. Uh, Reggie, the uh, head of Nintendo, mentioned going to a Smash Bros. tournament, uh, Evo, I think back in 2014, I'm not sure how far uh, away that was, but one of those years. And then, um, since then, they've sponsored smaller things like uh, a melee professional armada heady birthday tournament where nintendo gave pretty low-end prizes like towels and t-shirts and stuff but they did sponsor it which was the first time they did something like that in a long time but smash bros tournaments have seen very very low prizes you they gave towels them. is the yeah
0: is the extent in which nintendo <laughs> has has funded the smash community okay oh, gotcha.
1: i mean the best uh, like the biggest japanese tournament uh which was insane in terms of gameplay and just potential with players. The uh, number one prize was a customized pro controller, which is $60. Uh, <laughs> so you're not really getting too much in terms of prize money, but what's I think the view-
0: is this because what's the viewership like in average, if you're talking like a major grand finals, what are we talking? About? Uh, I,
1: I can't really speak too much of that. I know. Smash on Twitch gets pretty low viewer count but online tournaments right now like the ones Moist Criticals are hosting gets uh 20,000 or over easily. Um which so, so
0: in general compared to other esports like lower.
1: Yeah, lower it's movies. definitely on the lower end and I think that's due to in part uh with Nintendo not sponsoring much um and there's generally lower stakes at tournaments but yeah. I I think overall like there the smash community that currently exists is one of the strongest um, out of a lot of other esports. But there's just not much traction for it to be at its current state, something that people can use as a running career without streaming or subsidizing it with hey, At least it's
0: still alive on, like, the Halo
1: scene. The um, fact that Melee is still alive boggles my mind. Oh it's a crazy thing.
0: <laughs> is there still – remember you were saying there was pros that refused to hop on the new game. Is that still the case?
1: There was a lot of uh, – like, draw pullback from that. Um,
0: yeah, what kind of game? Who plays a game that can't be updated? Like, at this point, it's. It, it's one also, if you
1: look at
2: it, like, pros like Mango is still signed by Cloud9 as their melee player. Mm hmm. It's like Wait. they still, organizations still have these guys on payroll as. Wait,
1: so Mango's melee still player. only yeah. on. Yeah, he was one of the biggest ones that resented Ultimate. Um, he tried moving into it, uh, but.
0: Is that because they show up and they're terrible day one and they're like nah?
1: I don't. Yeah. Why would you play say, a game you're bad at? It's like, with every game that gets
0: updated throughout. No, time. but like you have to at least.
1: I had you gotta you gotta look at uh the player Maybe TSM, TSM Leffen did a tournament and he was at his wits end with Ultimate. He was very good, beat the best Pokemon trainer in the world with his Pokemon trainer, and he was at a really really big tournament, and throughout it he was tweeting about his negative time with Smash Bros. How he didn't like. How he won certain games um and like the the strategies that he had to implement and he did that the whole time throughout the tournament and then he ended up winning the tournament and then he quit right then and there um so they have been uh, melee players have seen success with ultimate
0: well these uh, guys are crazy
1: he I th- people consider melee an art to a certain extent everything you do especially with characters like box has been frame perfect or at least the attempt to and do the fact that most inputs rely on the one sixtieth of a second um, reaction speed, and just the like intuition that goes with it. It's seen more as like an artwork that can always be improved upon. Whereas Ultimate, there are issues with microspacing, and a lot of the other things are seen as more of a casual side. Definitely more competitive than its uh, previous releases, with the exception of melee. But there's been players like yeah, Armada who gave point, up melee but... for Ultimate.
0: The spacing issue when I was when I played Ultimate all times. Granted, I'm the most casual. I'm I am the guy who walks, sits down, and attempts to play against Noah and gets smacked. Uh, but the spacing, just from what I noticed, is the spacing being so drastically different per character just like throws off. Like, like some guys are getting crazy. Like I was watching Mewtwo. That dude's tail can literally. I don't know if I'm just probably talking completely out of my ass right now. But, like, M- Mewtwo's tail was smacking me across math, And as soon as that happened, I'm like, all right, like, I'm not good enough to even, even remotely even comment on the subject matter, but I just thought that the, uh, what I realized, the spacing was a so little weird.
1: No, that's a fair point. There's been a lot of characters that have seen drawback. Uh, I mean, Marth in particular, he has a mechanic where, the, like, a very small tip of his sword does a lot more damage than the rest of it. But he has I was a drawback-
0: trying to find that out.
1: Uh, it's very, very noticeable. makes a distinct sound and everything like uh, that. And he has a Echo Fighter, which is essentially um, a copy of him to a certain degree of Lucina, who has the same attributes as Marth, but her sword has equal damage throughout. So Marth, people tried picking up because he has that bonus with a tipper. But due to the fact that the rest of his sword is um, a lot weaker to a drastic degree, a lot of people have found little success. Oh, there's so much
0: variability there.
1: Yeah, and it's the with melee, you, my, microspacing is like a big thing, and it's pretty not easy to do, but it's feasible, and that becomes I a so. I see with, the old, the, the old ultimate. heads,
0: the old heads point there. Mm-hmm. That, there's that's probably of some, some issues I have with some uh, first-person shooters, and just in general with variability, like even spawn points to me, it still drives me crazy. Like, there's some spawn points games I've played in competitively where I don't understand. Like, to me, it should be the most. Cisco does a good job of this. Uh, but just like, especially the Call of Duty, this fact your spawns variate to the level they do every time you come in the game, like, certain destroy, which is 100% timing based, is to me, like, ludicrous.
2: Yeah, because um, especially COD, like, you're saying. You have that split second timing that you need to have off the. You mat. literally
0: need it. It's like yeah, CS has, of course. CS CS has CS like timings. you have so much time to get to the
2: base to, yeah, to the bomb to site prop. and set up. I yeah, I agree with you. There's way
0: too many like there's some things about like that game specifically in which they've implemented certain things that boost speed in different times, and you can only get them in certain times in the round. It just completely kind of destroyed some of the. Um, balance of the competitiveness but um yeah. no do you have anything else to touch on about smash
1: i mean i just wanted to add to what you're saying like i mean in general rng with a lot of competitive games has a lot of drawback and a lot of issues um and you saw that in the smash community as well with the new one of the newer characters hero a lot of his moves are based on uh rng where you would have different array of options that you could choose from based off of just a random selection. Oh, of a yeah, that
0: was ridiculous. I was watching you guys play with that character. Mm-hmm. His name was, it was DK and he could choose what he, what movie was doing with, uh,
1: and it's a different four every time. So it, it, the RNG aspect of games got, that got a huge backlash and that, that's been Dude, something that's like terrible. a lot of players don't, uh, don't necessarily agree with. Was there um, a
0: way to cycle it? I'm
1: yeah, you can cycle. So I believe, I believe, um, Certain ones are, can't go twice or something like that. There's there's a way where you can try to predict when a new when one that you're trying to fish for will pop up, but it's still like random. Oh, yeah, but yeah, that got a lot of drawback um, and pushback within the community. But that that that's seen in almost every fighting game or just in uh, competitive games in general. RNG has been particularly something that people have been disagreeable with. Now, Tikon, what what game
2: are
0: we shifting to now?
2: Uh, I'll take CSGO cause this is a heavy one. This past week had a ton of news in the game. Um, I'll brush through the tournament results very really quickly though. Yeah. Uh, the ESL pro league season 11 finals, uh, wrapped up, but because of the whole COVID situation, uh, of course I had to move to online.
0: This is COVID-19 we're talking about
2: COVID-19, not the COVID-18. We've, we've heard oh, yeah. about before. Um, but because of this, this is where the proceeds got a little weird for It's the fact that they split into two regions, in an NA region and an EU region. And this is pretty detrimental to the game. So, uh, I'll touch on that later. But first, um, Fnatic won the EU side of things. They beat Mouse Sports in a best-of-five, 3-2.
0: Wait, that's ridiculous. Because I remember a year ago, it wasn't a huge deal when – was it Liquid that finally won, or is it Cloud9 that finally won the first NA major?
2: Cloud9, two years ago, 2018, Boston two major.
0: Ago. Yeah, crazy. My guy, my guy Rush was on that team, right? Rush, so, yeah. So. Uh, that that uh, squad will forever live my mind. That's, um, that's insane that they already have decided that – that, why did they make that move? They made that they, they
2: they move, move merely because um, timing server locations, because Europe's six hours ahead, so they did it where teams were based. So, actually, a few European teams were actually based in NA to start, so they actually played in the other NA League, uh, Flashpoint, which we will touch on in a second, but teams like Tai Lu, the Chinese team, played in the EU League because they they flew to Europe for the LAN tournament, but because it got cancelled, they decided just to stay and play online. So they... uh, Yeah, so essentially they had to play In the region they're based based off this timing and server connectivity and lag Um, but on the NA side of things Team Liquid beat Evil Geniuses 3-0 and a clean sweep utterly it it was actually just domination on their side Evil Geniuses did not look hot I think that part we did online but did anyone go
0: off that series?
2: uh, Elige on Team Liquid their constant fragger just uh, he got the MVP of the NA EPL but wow. he, yeah, he just, I think he posted an average of like a 1.3 uh, on the HLTV 1.0, 2.0 scale, which is really impressive. That's really high. Um, but I will, I will attribute to Evil Genius's kind of weak performance. Uh, they just dropped their coach, who actually led them to the number one spot last year around September. That Evil Genius was number one in the game for a little bit. And then their results started to fall off. So they kicked him out and brought in the coach from MIBR, Zeus, who used to play with their IGL and coach him um, in their liquid days. So Zeus is now the coach of Evil Geniuses, and hopefully we'll see a lot better results coming from that. Um, And the other tournament uh, series going on, Flashpoint, this new league that was set up to kind of compete with ESL because A lot of teams were upset that they got kicked out of the ESL Pro League. It was a decision made last minute, and a lot of these teams are left without a league to play in. And for some of the smaller teams, this is the only chance they have to play good CS. So they formed this new league called Flashpoint, which had a bunch of, which had like a couple tier one teams, mostly tier two teams playing in it. But Mad Lions, a team from Europe, beat MIBR in the finals in a complete upset victory and
0: doesn't mibr have like one of the top players Um, uh they're a bunch of old heads now uh oh
2: god fallen is still one of the most consistent oppers in the game and well fallen was a fanatic guy right am i wrong no he was uh sk gaming and luminosity
0: yeah.
2: yeah so other than that that's pretty much the tournament results um they've all other organized organizers have shifted online now. So a bunch of the qualifiers for DreamHack series and IEM and ESL Cologne are now online. I think the biggest news in terms of tournaments though is their new major system uh, where because so obviously because of this COVID-19 they don't want to have a CS:GO major online because they know about the regional differences and the time changes. They're going to actually postpone it till the fall, November and host it in brazil and with a prize pool of two million dollars which is the largest prize pool cs has ever had for a major and instead of based off your past um past major results they're now doing it based off these regional regional matchmaking ranks which is where they're all going to play in this sort of each region has a certain number of spots in the major and all these okay. teams are gonna play in three separate qualifiers to earn points towards qualifying for the major. And the I've first, seen that
0: happen in some other esports and that generally someone ends up getting screwed out of the uh,
2: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if a team like Cloud Nine or Evil Geniuses finds themselves at the short end of the stick here.
0: Yeah, anytime it's tough qual like coming up with ways to qualify. Like I've seen some crazy things in some esports, specifically in Call of Duty, is in they did it by, back in Pro Points, which was like an MLG system, which was – mm-hmm. I forget what title. It might have been for Advanced Warfare. Um, and they did it based on Pro Points, which were done by like random game battles matches, which you could like – it would be like three of us hopping on playing a pro team, and the pro team would get points towards qualifying for it. So it was just determined on who would – with Halo too. I'm assuming for CS, it's more of that they're all paired up in groups.
2: Yeah, they're all paired up. up in their regions and they're all playing legit teams at legit times. And there's three so of them. So you can't,
0: if you're a up and coming team, do you get in these groups or is there any sort of play ins? Or I'm assuming it had that some sort of playing system.
2: Yeah, there were a couple of play ins that happened last week. Uh, no notable mm-hmm. results to say, but a bunch of tier two teams are actually uh, have a chance at making the major this time because. The NA has a bunch of spots now because they performed really well in the last major. So you're actually going to see maybe a couple of these teams that you've never seen before uh, actually (laughs) play, play in a qualifier and they actually have a good chance of making it. Like you have teams like Orglis, this team that was in flashpoint season one, that doesn't even have a team. They're not even sponsored and they took fifth and sixth place. And They're going to be competing with the likes of Liquid, Evil Geniuses, 100 Thieves, MIBR, and Cloud9. And they actually beat Cloud9 in the Flashpoint qualifier. So it's like they have these sort of teams in here that have the chance to upset the larger teams that ultimately can make a big difference.
0: What's the the next upcoming event for for CS?
2: Uh, Yeah, it's definitely these major qualifiers because they're kind of postponing everything unfortunately but uh other than that the blast Premier spring series is coming up in late may early june so really this is the only cs you'll have to, to watch for a while are these regional match rankings and hopefully we'll see some good teams however one point of contention here is the game was recently updated and i want to partially put this on Valorant coming out at the same time a little bit of competition which we'll touch on later but they finally nerfed their the gun the Krieg the SG553 uh this gun changed the meta in CSGO in fact terrorists never even bought the AK anymore it was better to buy the Krieg and almost broke the game in terms of like it basically allowed worse players to become better at the game and rise them up to pro that's why we saw a bunch of teams winning but they shouldn't have at some events because they were using this gun instead of like the classic meta, like the old pros would use.
0: Now I, I, I haven't logged on CS in a couple of years. Is the Krieg a newer gun? They just had a new gun? No. So or the is...
2: Krieg was been the game since the get go. The problem was the price tag on it was $3,000.
0: Is that the LMG or is it a... No, no it's, it's a rifle.
2: Yeah, it's a COD gun. It's what they call the COD gun. Oh, okay. Gun. Yeah. All right. And all they did was they lowered the price. And then people started using it and realized that armor penetration was better and it was still a one-hit headshot.
1: So it was a better gun than the AK. So people
0: were aiming around, aiming around the whole map? They're aiming so, around the whole site,
1: yeah. So the perceived buff was just lowering the price of it, so the gun itself didn't change at all? The gun itself did not change. So it was a gun That's that was crazy. always overpowered, but no one used it because of the
2: uh, price tag. Now they lowered the, the price – and it's a game
0: like CS:GO, which is like been played for how long now like 12 years something like that
2: yeah i mean cs and it was played since 2000 global, yeah. offensive. Global, global offensive Go offensive was 2012 2013
0: yeah so like we're talking eight eight seven eight years yeah and people are people shied away from guns due to price tags like
2: yeah because like the scene, the money is so tight in terms of rounds and they recently fixed the economy system as well whereas Normally when you win a round you get a certain amount of money. I forgot that price, the value is. But when you lose a round, it used to compound. So you, you would get nineteen hundred for the first round, you lose, twenty five hundred for the next round, you lose in a row, thirty one hundred, then thirty eight hundred, and then it would stay at thirty eight hundred till you win. But then the problem was what would happen was these teams would get caught in the losing cycle where they would go all the way up to thirty eight hundred, win a round, get reset, lose, then lose the next round. And then have to start over again at 1900. They oh, yeah. fixed it recently so that instead of dropping down back to 1900, you only go down one step at a time for each round you win.
0: So now, now, That seems like uh, absolute chaos. For pros, like freaking out. Pros actually
2: like that a lot because they thought it made it more balanced for Ts. It used to basically be a CT sided game across the map. I mean, it still is across every map. CTs have the advantage. But now terrorists feel like because of their monetary. Um, without with the lack of monetary issues now, they're able to actually have a bit of a chance of competing. Oh god. Yeah.
0: Anything else for uh CF?
2: Nothing much to say. Um other than yeah. uh just the number one team in the world right now, Navi, is performing out of their mind right now. Chemistry is performing really well. But the number two team in the world, Astralis, is uh recently did a weird move and added a sixth man to their roster so without benching any of their other players so now they're the first CS:GO team to have the first tier one CS:GO team to have six players so the
1: the legalization of uh esports betting just got like enacted in Nevada do you think that's going to have any effect on the uh kind of the importance or uh precedent that major esports games like CS:GO um, and like what their communities are now, do you think that's going to have any uh, like major effect on the, just the competitive scene? Oh, well, absolutely. I, I think
0: I think I think sports gambling brings out the best. Uh, as a as a big proponent of it, um, I think it draws more people to it. Um, I think it gets fans a lot more engaged in teams they don't necessarily care about. Like just to bring it to the real sports world. Like I'll be watching college football games of teams that I could really care less about the outcome. And I'm only watching them because I put money on the game. So I think that, I think it'll draw viewers not necessarily away from grand finals, but it'll bring viewers more to the smaller games, the smaller matches, which will highlight more of the smaller players.
1: Yeah. I, I definitely see that a lot with um, just fantasy football. Like I'm not, the yeah. most avid sports watcher, mainly because the teams I like don't perform too well, but having something where you can bet on something and there's stakes on teams other than the ones you're rooting for and same goes for players um I think is a huge uh like huge advantage and i we do see like kind of like fantasy esports here and there to a certain extent, but I don't think they've really reached their true potential or something where people would be willing or or enjoying um as much. So I think it'd be really interesting to see how that changes the competitive scene in major games like CS:GO, Overwatch, or now Valorant possibly.
2: My I only concern so. with the betting is that match be really fixing, toxic. Is that well, toxic one, but I think match fixing could also come into play because it's so Ooh. it's a lot different in mm-hmm. a real sport where everyone can watch you mess up, but in a game you can blame it on having a bad day. You can blame it on, you know, oh, yeah, I if you're I, a smaller I misclicked, team,
0: right? If I'm a smaller orc I'm betting heavy on the other side to win, and then doubling my money. Right, as far. Or think about that first. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you know you're going to get killed, you just
2: bet on the other team.
0: The, I uh, think or... Or... No, no, I intentionally lose, but I get a huge profit
1: off it. The the scariest thing I I feel like is games like Fortnite where you're already seeing people like adamantly break rules and standards for esports because you're a one man army. You're not like reporting to anybody maybe your sponsorship but it's just you in the game and i feel like that leads to a lot more potential for corruption um especially in like those big big games like Fortnite. you we saw similar things with smash bros but it wasn't as big of an issue because there's not many like pools or prizes that people were contending for but i think as the the meta gets pushed for some of these uh like higher-revenue-earning uh, games, it could be potentially dangerous, especially now that betting comes yeah, into play.
0: I think, I think if betting comes into play, they would have to strictly be majors. Like, yeah, tournaments that no one's throwing because it just means too much to these people. But, like, it's not like football where, like, you can literally bet on, like, games, like, games that no one probably gets 10 viewers. Um, yeah. It, it, but also like, – I mean, people, like, they won't – you can't throw a football game when you have, like, 90 guys who need to coordinate in terms of, like, players and and the whole organization. If you're playing a one-on-one smash game, I'm having – if I'm playing on main stage and I don't feel like – I feel like cashing a check no matter win or lose, I have no bet on the other guy for me. Yeah. And then – I'm still cashing whether or not I win or lose. And I'm probably celebrating with the winner.
2: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> match fixing – and this is actually a good transition to the Valorant because yeah, one of the main teams that's been, like, been hyping up their Valorant team is T1. And two of the players they just signed for their official Valorant team, which is crazy because it's not even out of beta yet, um, are Brax, Swag, and AZK, who are part of the – infamous csgo i buy power match fixing scandal in 2015 and these two guys were were they amazing. banned for life they're banned for life at majors so swag was still playing on these sort of tier two teams but he couldn't play in a major so he kind of just said i'm f- i'm done with this shit like Wait, is he on phase? no he played on i buy power cloud nine uh he. F- filled in for mibr Like he he was a dominant NA like star in CS and then Valve banned him and he couldn't do anything because teams didn't want a guy who couldn't compete in a major.
0: That's crazy. He stuck with it. Is he was it based on like was he making stream money or or YouTube he, money? Because like there's still yeah he,
2: he was still working for other orgs as stream as he was a Cloud9 streamer for a little bit and he did some other orgs but he was fed up with it and said, I'm done. I'm gonna go play my new game be be the best in the world at it. So he's now in Valorant. So this is actually going to be a good option for CSGO pros who feel like they've washed out
0: or got banned. Yeah, that or like you can go cheat in CSGO and you're like, oh, well, at the end of the day, I'll just shit the Valorant. Yeah. So the game is, I'm watching, I watch some streams, and it just looks so similar. And there's some cooler aspects to it. I, I think it's a much more dynamic game than CSGO. I,
2: I personally think it's kind of boring to watch. As an esport, like if I watch Smash or COD, I'm seeing action, I'm watching cool plays. In CS, you have these pop offs, but when I watch an Ace and Valorant, I'm really not like, you know, fair feeling fair. like yeah, it's almost
0: great. It's too small. cartoony. Yeah. Just, but not in someone, the Overwatch way. When I'm watching it, no, but it's like, not even like, like when I'm watching Smash, it's like, right, these are characters I've seen before my whole life, right? That doesn't bother me. And they got like Yoshi's Island around it, right? It looks like I'm watching some TF2.
2: Well, it's funny. Some of the game designers actually shifted from TF2 to Riot Games, so there is definite influence from that.
0: I just... Yeah, I'm watching it. I just think... Also, it, the, key, but, well, by the, way, the key thing is Masterful. Whoever crafted that scheme, oh, meaning like, the I, streaming, dude. in order to play the game, you have to watch the streams, like... Someone whoever came up with that in the back room is an just got promoted, just but, got promoted, dude. You should every game should be doing that. Like, if I'm called video, I'd say, or if I'm, I'm the, new, the new Smash, the new whatever, the new game, the new Halo, I'm doing a beta, and the only way you get the beta is not from pre orders but from streams because if like that just multiplies the community. Like, for me to get a Valorant Key, I have to go into someone's stream that I might not necessarily follow sit there it has it to be for two hours their game to the top of the top page the top like one or two games on Twitch and Mixer on Twitch on Mixer and that that's just like everyone's happy streamers are getting more views the company's getting more traction because it's absolutely genius I don't know how they even figured like coordinate all that but I, I, I applaud them. it would be interesting to see if new titles, same thing will happen. The One yeah. scary
1: thing to me about Valorant, um, besides the, the whole anti-cheat thing, but uh, the one like, scary thing is that a lot of streamers that are streaming, uh, from what I recall, particularly XQC um, and some other big-name streamers, uh, although they are supporting the game, they're streaming it, and uh, they're entertaining a lot of their viewers doing it, some of them are vocal. By, obviously, they're all paid to a certain degree, to do what they're doing right now Um, but some of them are very vocal about how they're not enjoying the game Um, and by playing it they're seeming seemingly to promote it but if they're not enjoying it they're kind of creating a false uh, community for it or camaraderie for it and I feel like that's definitely scary to see as a game in beta especially when people are going to be deciding soon whether or not to put time or money into this where people are playing Uh, this game, and they're just generally not enjoying it, but it's getting tons yeah. and tons of views. And that might not apply to everybody, but I have seen that with a couple of streamers who are pulling in thousands of views and they're just adamantly not enjoying the game as much as they would with other competitive games. I think well, it's a great marketing strategy. I think it works well with Valorant, um, but I do think it is a uh, just word of caution for it. Same thing happened with Cube World. Yeah, I'm with uh, even uh, Titanfall. Yeah, Titanfall.
0: I just think that it's scary when these, uh, like most of the games, the stable games in the scene have been around for so long that they have histories, they have this past, people grow up playing them, and then they turn to esports, like hardcore esports. These new games coming up don't really have that backbone, and they're relying way too much on big streamers' opinions of the game and whether or not, like if you create a game right now, which is pretty much what Valorant is, like new game created, Is it going to go like Overwatch, because somehow that game went from literally just spawning to now they have millions of dollars in a league that no one even watches?
2: Yeah, so that's actually what I want to talk about, is that
0: Blizzard... Overwatch is watches Overwatch. That's the thing.
2: One of the guys of the Flashpoint League, one of the commentators slash analysts for CSGO, literally left from Overwatch because he said no one watches it. So I'm thinking...
0: It's kind of hard for me to speak, because I don't know the streaming views on it or what the major is, um, like, what the situation is. But I just, like, for me, I turned on Overwatch, and I was, like, as a viewer, just, like, showed up. Sometimes I like to do this. I'll just look at a new game, like, hop on in this Twitch stream, see what's going on. I thought it was the biggest clusterfuck I've ever seen. Yeah. I had no idea what was going on. It it (laughs) it 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 was hard to follow, and I didn't love it. And the system, actually, I think the player system was pretty cool. Um but then when I was hearing out that everyone it's like everyone was picking the same couple loadouts. Like to me that kinda Yeah, so that kills it. Didn't they uh,
1: have a that changed that where you have to switch on certain characters? Or am I recalling incorrectly? Is this
2: for Overwatch you're talking about?
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: Overwatch.
2: Uh but before I get into that, I'd like to well, I think it's a good transition. Um I think Valorant is gonna fall into the Overwatch, what I call the Overwatch trap. Is that it has a good parent company. Overwatch had Blizzard and Activision, kind of that, that whole background, which is a huge gaming company. Shout out
0: Activision.
2: Yeah. Uh, Valorant has Riot, a storied esports company. League of Legends, one of the biggest in the world. Um, so Overwatch took the world by storm. It came out in 2016, and I played it constantly with my friends when it came out. Yeah. It was so much fun. And then just like that, like overnight, it just no, everyone stopped playing. It just became dull, boring. But the league was formed around the same time, and it, the league took off enough to stay active. But now, I I reinstalled it like a couple months ago, and mm-hmm. it took me like four or five minutes to get into a quick play game, and it used to take me twenty seconds. I think the the I think Valorant is going to fall in the same trap here. The hype at the beginning is unreal. It's cool. It's new. It's flashy. Riot Games is going to make this new is going to make a league with teams, franchise it, make do something yeah. with it like a do with league, and then everyone's going to stop playing and be like, damn,
0: casual. I, I honestly hate this franchise system because – I actually, I like it for established games. I think it's awesome. But when you, a new game comes out and they're already jumping on franchises to throw in X million of do, millions of dollars into it, I think it's, I think it's in way too much of an ask. I think that they should let it play out, have random orgs, do open tournaments, see what the viewership's like, and then move into, oh, maybe we should franchise it. Because yeah, that's what, that's what if, happened with League of Legends, and it's, it's been, been it taken off like a I wouldn't. I would charm. never, if I had this kind of cash, a new game comes out, I there's to some hype around it, oh, like you want to be the guy to jump on the curve? Let me see a major event. Let me see some sort of something that's going to show some viewership beyond some, some launch. I, yeah, I, I know. I, I think that I think that Overwatch. It, what's unfortunate is that, like, I, for all I know, it's thriving. I'm not like really very well versed on it, but I think it's it's it was it was forced into this whole franchise format. I think a game like Fortnite has done a good job with staying away from that to some extent. But um, as we see now, really, it's
2: just kind of collapsed.
0: People cool about Fortnite is. It was out for a decent amount
1: of time before it popped off. Uh, yeah, the, the fact that it did pop off, I think left like a huge, huge mark on competitive gaming and oh, everybody, everything. everybody, you see Call of Duty Warzone now that it's like following the trend. Like, Let's go. I think the same thing with Valorant is happening too, with these uh, beta keys. Like obviously it's great that people are streaming and they're doing a unique thing, but having people play the game for free and at least building hype around that, because, no matter what, if you have a game that has a big parent company and you release it for free in any way, shape, or We're form, gonna there's going to be huge, huge publicity on it. And there's no it's way It's also
0: like, when they created the same gaming where, like I, I just feel like growing up where there was just these stable franchises where it was like good games, you'd buy them every year, then there's new games that come out, you would hear your buddy go, oh, I was all right, blah, 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 But like I feel like Fortnite started this like boom where they would be like – Every time there's a game, like, let's say Fortnite or let's say Valorant, these new games that come out, there's just this massive spike and everyone's playing it. And it's, like, super hyped up all over, like, even Warzone, like, it's all over the place, all over Twitter. And it's almost like fads and then they just, like,
1: fade. Well, yeah, I I, I mean, that's, like, at least the the generation I grew up in, we all, like, you were saying, whenever there was a new Call of Duty or or a new Halo, we would just get that game and play it and that would be and then you would hear, like, I would
0: hear, oh, yo, like, check out this Tom Clancy game. Check out, check out Assassin's Creed. I would hear, like, yo, this game's good. Check them out. Yeah. But now with, like, I'm just worried is, like, how many times is this going to happen? Like, I there's a million to, of these yeah. big companies out there. They're going to keep – their games in production right now. They're going to pull the same exact shit as Valorant did. And, and the real problem they're gonna,
2: is they're all going to be free. And then they're going to base their economy and money scheme purely off cosmetics.
0: Which well, is, by think the, think the way, the I biggest think it's indicator. Smart, because it's smart. I, I like that because none of us buy the shit, but all of the like eight-year-olds to twelve-year-olds <laughs> buy it, and it's it's awesome. Oh, I
2: mean, it's good because it keeps the game running. But at the same time, like, I rather have a game. That's why CS:GO used to be, in my opinion, top tier of the gaming world because it, it was fifteen dollars on Steam, but it guaranteed you that hackers had to pay fifteen dollars to buy the game. That's and fair. Back then, now it's free to play. And if you have a low trust I didn't factor... think about that. If, low trust factor, you're, you're getting hackers in your lobby every game.
0: Like, Warzone is having a huge issue right now with hackers. Like, huge. Like, console players are now opting out of um, cross-platform. Because with the cross-platform, most of the hackers are on PC. Like, in order to pull some of the stuff off on PS4 and Xbox, there's just way too many hoops to jump through. But a lot of these hackers end up being on PC. I just I think that this what, you're, what you brought up an interesting point about free to play bringing that into effect, and the problem is you can't go back when you go free to play like you cannot. Yeah, like, well, once you're free to play, you you can't. That's what I, I actually, can't. actually think that COD is going to do a good job with this. Um, hopefully, I think like meaning they have a game you pay for, and the competitive scene isn't really tied to the free to play zone aspect. thing. The free like, free to play aspect. Like, if Valorant, you had, to, you had to pay to play the competitive aspect, but you could play, like, free public matches, then the then they wouldn't have this issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you go up there and I, play, like, a, a random – like, is there even multiple – I'm assuming there's multiple modes. Like, CSS has multiple modes. No one plays. But, like, yeah, if the right, other modes were free, like, if I could hop on Valorant, play around a, a random mode, think, oh, it's pretty cool. Let me buy the competitive. Yeah, it might be – Oh, too much of a bridge to entry, um, but I think at least it would provide some sort of balance to what the current you're is saying with the hackers.
2: Yeah, and I, actually, yeah, you go, you go now.
1: I was just had an interesting thing to add, um, and this goes back to kind of like the uh, the titans of the industry and how like Fortnite's affecting them. If you look at Call of Duty, for example, in this is just something I pulled up uh, right now in 2019. The best selling Call of Duty games like are Black Ops, Modern Warfare Three. You're seeing a lot of the two thousands to two thousand fifteens are the ones that like have dominated. But as soon as games like Fortnite come out, um, it's like 2017, World War Two is sold around less than twenty million copies. When you're looking at the Black Ops three, Modern Warfare, you're over thirty million at this at this point. So there's been a huge hit to Call of Duty. It should be the case where as the time goes on, if they still had the same grasp on the market as they did, they would be getting more and more copies sold. That's Wait, what I've been preaching
0: this for years. Saying, they need to get out of the every year game business. Mm-hmm. It just kills it for me. But the issue is that, like, it's so free money. Like, dude, they produce trash. Like, there's some games. Like, I think Infinite Warfare is the biggest garbage produced. And they're better off. They have enough studios working on this that they don't really care if they produce a trash game because it still sells and then they hope that, oh, the next year. For instance, Black Ops 3. I thought it was a phenomenal game. Uh, we could transition to CO2 from on now. I don't really care. But, but, uh, but yeah, I am um, I thought that um, um, the current game, Modern Warfare, I think it's very good. I think that it sucks that this is the year that the COVID 19 thing occurred because I think this game's Plays really well. Um, I think that the guns are pretty balanced. I think that the pro league scene is is probably at its peak, which I can talk to in a bit. Um, and I think that, like, the issue is that the games in prior years and the games, like, I know the next game is not going to be good. And the reason I say that is because they went from a two-year cycle back when Modern Warfare 3 through, like, all the way cod two it was a two-year cycle all those games and then after that they started entering in um what was the studio it was the one michael conjure uh Condry, uh wasn't raven uh sledgehammer sledgehammer games comes in and then the third studio to join um, infinity ward and treyarch and then they had a three-year cycle so they're like all right we're gonna get better games and Infinity War produces garbage. Like they produce absolute trash <laughs> in two different instances.
1: I, I and then Treyarch
0: know. produces trash. So then you're thinking, all right, like this three-year system is not working out. Even though like this is three, really three different co- companies producing games under one title. All right. Now, Wait, so this year they which went Which games did a uh, Sledgehammer produce? Uh, Advanced Warfare and World War Two. And were those games good? I don't.
2: I didn't right, haven't see, played uh, COD in a while. Didn't sell Warfare, too well, I thought was
0: very good. Ready. I thought where Warfare was very good. It was the first Jetpack game. I thought it was really good. People, yeah. I don't like yeah. it. World, World War Two was the first game I hopped. the second game that I hopped on. And I'm like, just for anyone, anyone listening, I'm like the most avid COD guy out there. World War Two, I hopped on. And I was like, what am I playing? Like they tried to go the whole like, oh everyone wants these old school feels, but it was so boring. Like, uh. it, it just it could not be more boring. Like, they had no cool camos. Like, it just, the aesthetics were super dark. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's where the Treyarch kills it. Did you up on a Treyarch game,
2: oh, yeah, it's that's flashy.
0: True. It's super flashy, super colorful, super cool to watch. The interfaces are great. Um, I thought Black Ops 4, which was the last title, was, they had movement issues, which is a whole nother, whole nother discussion. Uh, but yeah, they moved. So, what I was getting to is they moved back to a two year cycle. So Eric got a call literally like I think it was like eight months ago or something crazy saying that they had to produce the next game because Sledgehammer is no longer in the picture. <laughs> so now Black Ops 5 is going to come out and there's no way this game is even like remotely good, which is why what I was saying before is they need to start cutting out this BS of releasing a game every year. It just produces unfinished products like Warzone. Or even the competitive playlist that they just added, they add like six months into the game. Well, doesn't also – The not even pro scene. done.
2: Yeah, doesn't it kill the pro scene as well by having a game release every year?
0: Like, does, uh, like no. it actually new- makes it cool because new guys come up who are sick of the game. Uh, old – head like there's still like there's the top guys that have been around forever. And what's, well, what I'll get to, like I can talk about now, um, with the pro scene – is that this is the first year where, like, the old guys are disappearing. Like, there's a lot of dudes who have been in the scene for literally back since, like, MW3. Or most – probably Black Ops 2 is probably the best because uh, MW3 was played overseas for most of the most part. But uh, since um Black Ops 2, where a lot of the old guys are starting to get weeded out a bit. You saw that a little bit in Black Ops 3 um, when some of uh, the old world champions, like Killer, Miracles – um, I love kill absolute client. You guys should (laughs) to that guy. Uh, That guy is just screams his head off. Super delusional. But like, there's some older guys that were like really good at the old games where he got booted out around then. And then with the franchising, which is what COD shifted to competitively, people didn't know. Uh, They went from a system where you would have random organizations put together teams. Um, There were some big names that sometimes wouldn't make it, and they'd have small, no-name teams make the make the pro leagues, make these majors, and it was awesome. They were like, it's time to move to franchising, try to escalate the esport. Um, and that resulted in them most of these teams picking captains and then the captains pretty much signing their friends. Uh,
2: mm, and that alone and creates some captain, issues.
0: <laughs> well curious because that ended up those teams ended up not being that good. But some of the teams like Dallas Empire said, Screw it, we're picking up two dudes that never even played on LAN before in COD, which is Shotzi who was an old Halo pro and um, who's that like that? I forget the other guy's name right now. They picked up two dudes. Oh, and Illy. Illy was like an old school S&D only guy who, who was like, he's probably like, no, not old school. He's like seven. He's like 18 now. So the dude who was always playing with pros, he was super young, finally turned the team. And then you got this other guy, Shotzi, who's a Halo pro. They bring on to one of the one of the top organizations, and they become a top team in the scene. So that was a good instance of just how COD has done a good job with their kind of farm system and players bringing in newer, newer players. I think CSGO, uh, mm-hmm. CSGO is a good cycle of like, it seems like new dudes are popping up, they fade out really quick. Um, yeah. I think COD's finally getting to the point where these ga- like, people are disgusting at these games, they're not getting highlighted, they eventually get picked up. And honestly, if you look at if I can pull, I wish pull up some stats here. These the new guys that show up at these tournaments kill. Like they do well. Like the most recent one, um, of course, it went all shifted to online. Was the uh, Dallas Open, which no longer was an Open, uh, and um, Florida Mutineers one. And then one of the players kind of took a leave absence due to some mental health issues, and they picked up this guy Firo. Who's like really never had a big shot, and he just absolutely tore it up, and they won the last event. And wow. they had four guys on that team that have never won a major before, and they definitely this is a major. Like in my head, it's not a major, uh, but they they won their first major. They played against the Toronto Ultra, which is exact, very similar. That's right. So they played against the Minnesota Rocker, uh, which is not a similar story. It's like they have three guys that have never even been to grand finals. Wow. So there's a bunch of teams now that are just coming up that of course it's a set pro leagues there's only 12 teams and they've set rosters they can pick up players and drop players but like you have players coming to the scene that are just disgusting and they are getting an opportunity which is which is incredible all right so optic um which was like the best Call of Duty team hands down for i mean yeah game. i heard
2: about like this crazy uh, run they had to the begin yeah
0: crazy runs right Dominance. and so long story short the org got, like, taken from underneath them by an old, like, by, um, I forget what the parent company was. It was a parent company that had already had a CS and an Overwatch team and pretty much just told all the players and the owner of Sound of Optic kind of screw off, and they took the brand from them. So that kind of dissipated. So Optic is still in the league, but it's an Optic without any of the old, any of the old players, any of the old management or anything. So it's no longer the same brand. It gets referred to as New Optic. They're absolute trash. Uh, they have some of the best players in the world on the team, but they're just not putting it together. But then the New Optic, which is minute, which is the uh, Chicago Huntsman, they um, they have names like Scumpy, who was on that ESPN thing uh, that no, we were talking about before. They've got some of just the best players in the world. They had some young guns. Um, that was a team not built around friends, and they, they won a major, and they placed top four the past couple times. So they're in a good spot. It's really with the COD team, there's really only like four or five teams that are playable. A ton of other teams just are, are not very good. Yeah. Now, the last thing I want to touch on is with this – they have a really weird format to their league, which I want to hear your guys' opinions of. So they have these majors, right? Mm -hmm. but in reality they're they're uh regional not regional but they're let's say with this dallas empire team dallas empire had an open where, where it's really only eight of the 12 pro league teams compete at it and then the next let's say two weeks in two weeks or actually um this weekend is the chicago one and only eight of the 12 pro leagues teams play in it and it's a, not a random assortment of eight, but it's a schedule-based eight, so you're guaranteed to play an X amount of majors. But what it leads to is what it leads to is that Atlanta phase, one of the best teams, the Huntsman, one of the best teams, Dallas Empire, one of the best teams. The three of them have not been in the same major together yet. That's, which is absurd. Yeah, Dallas Empire has a major victory without beating two of the top teams in the game. Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. It's so, so these these guys are claiming that they're winning majors, and in reality, they haven't even they don't beat the best teams in the game. Like it used to be, like all the other esports. When you host a major, every team is in the game, and it ends up that generally there's the same couple top two three teams, and you watch those guys battle out in the finals. It's epic. Yeah, now it's completely like for the Chicago series. I think. Um, I think Minnesota I mean, might be sitting out on their top four team. And it's like, how do you not have every single team compete? It, It's like these guys walking around like, oh, another championship. Dude, you didn't even play. Yeah. You didn't even Wait, play. So Couldn't they yeah. do like a regional-based thing? Like make them No. So, instead so, the yeah, so The players. franchises are, are based in cities. Okay. okay. Same, same. Yeah, same
2: way as Overwatch is set up.
0: Same mm-hmm. way as Overwatch. But the way they did it was they – they say, like, in the beginning of the year, you get a schedule of you're attending these majors, but you don't go to, like, three of them. So they just kind of randomly, so it's <laughs> like eight teams at every one, and then the bracket system's even more whack. They have a double limb for the first two rounds and then a single limb beyond that, hmm. which makes it so you got teams that get lose in the first round, and then when they make it to the, to the semis – they play a team that's won both of their both of their matches so they win, so the team in the winners bracket wins two gets to the semis right then mm-hmm. the loser bracket team wins two and they end up in the semis against so there's like four teams in the semis two coming from loser bracket and two coming from winners bracket okay and then if they lose that game you are out and then it's grand finals that they do like two runbacks what like a runback if you win no, they don't even do that. <laughs> so like That's dude, what? It's ridiculous. So the the optimal format hands down is a double bracket where you gotta do a run back in the finals. Yeah. yeah. The hands or, or
2: or at so, least like in CSGO, they do a best of five and give the winning the the team that was in the winners a free map. So you only have to win two if you're a winner and three. So if, a
0: yeah. Yeah. So but with this system, it's like with this recent tournament, the Dallas Open, you have the Huntsman, one of the best teams, win, win two series two good played series. They get to the semifinals and they lose to a team they already beat. And then they're out of the tournament. And then that team they beat is now in the finals. And it's just like, like the last tournament, they had two teams in the loser's bracket make it to the finals. That's How is scary. that even a it, – it like yeah. to me, that, that means the champion – first off, that means the champion didn't play four teams in the league or didn't have the opportunity to play four teams in the league because they weren't invited. And then the champion – has the same amount of losses in the tournament as two other teams. Yeah, that does I, It's that's the, weird, the system, man. The system is so blown, and it people are just thankful. So the reason why people are thankful it even exists is because the original structure of the league was going to be only league matches. So, you know, how CS has league matches. Yeah, it was just going to be league matches and then a playoffs. But then people fought for them to do the league matches in this sort of bracket format so that when people went to attend these events, they wouldn't just see their favorite team play one map or play like three maps, win it, and then leave. They wanted to kind of create like mini tournaments at these at these league games. But then people are claiming their majors because otherwise there's only two majors in a year.
2: Oh. Yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, two yeah. majors is fine. CSGO has two majors a year. They they get tons of viewers. They bring in tons well, say, of
0: money. I was thinking about the. I was asking about the viewership with the Smash because at this point, COD still gets like if if you have Huntsman or like like the newer optic team in the finals, they're getting a hundred k plus views on the finals.
1: Yeah, uh, the the one thing going back on like the the major things you were talking about is. It's sort of like about Smash. Obviously, there's still some debate about how the ranking system like works with things. But when you, I'm assuming like other esports, you have a, like kind of a similar ranking system. Where is there like an official rank where this team's number one, this is number two, or is that?
0: Yes, yeah, so they have some sort of they have a ladder, like a a chart. But the chart is terribly organized because some of the teams haven't played in the same amount of majors as others. Oh my God! Yeah. So you've got so- teams with higher point totals but played more majors. So it just doesn't even like, why are you showing me a leaderboard?
1: <laughs> that doesn't I'm make any sure. sense. Like
2: you can't have an objective leader either.
1: Yeah. And I'm not oh. sure if like your leaderboard has a similar ranking, but the thing I like about Smash is, is that we have majors and minors, but there's majors that are worth more points based on the players that attend. So if a number oh, one cool. player attends, then it's turned into something called an S tier. Or if like, Let's say only two out of the top ten players show up, then it's going to be an A or B tier. So if you win it, you're not actually going to get as many points as if you played one of the top contenders. So it kind of creates right. a system where you can't kind of cheese your way with lower victories that somebody's not going to be there. You want to play the stronger opponents Probably because 10. it's a lot more reward than what you're risking. You know, if you lose, yeah, like, still losing, but still. That system's really solid.
0: Yeah, we got a t- we got a- there was a team in COD. That literally hasn't beaten the two best teams, or the two of the other top three teams in the league, yet they they have a championship. It's just like. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what? I, I don't know. Um, the CS have some sort of minor league. Um, yeah, they have the ESCA,
2: the MDL, where all the tier two teams can play in. Okay. Yeah. So, like, these are, yeah,
0: they have a good challenger series, and they've actually, like, they've put in a ton of money to it. And it's been going pretty well, but the big controversy there was they weren't streaming them. Hmm. So you would have these, like, minor events that I would certainly watch because, like, historically with COD and the pro scene, the uh, like, the dudes of the second-tier teams have the best strats because they're playing all day. They're doing weird shit to get to it. Like, they're doing cool things. Yeah, like, they're more fun to watch. Yeah, they're more fun to watch because, like, You'll have dudes pull, like, different guns, use weird equipment, and it's, like, epic. Like, I tell you, when I when I was playing competitively, like, I would watch those guys because you would learn weird-ass spots. You could get, like <laughs> – like, the pros watch those guys play most of the time. But the pros have better gun skill and better map awareness and stuff. Um, but it's so just to find those, like,
2: kind of little glitches or that, like yeah. – advantage.
0: eight like, spots. Like, there's some dude. There's some crazy guys in like the S and D, like the CS:GO sort of game mode, where they'll be in private matches all day, hurling nades over buildings, looking for like, mm. like the right, yeah, the right spots. Like it's not as developed, of course, as CS, which is another issue with the comp scene. which I think was what you were alluding to is that when it changes every year, you you don't get like a team that's really perfected the game. Yeah, you have teams. Black Ops 2 was famous for, like, the meta was still evolving up to the last event, which was, like, epic because people were pulling out, like, automated pist- akimbo pistols in the last event, and it was, yeah. like, wow, like, this would have been <laughs> to, Like, if we had a whole nother year, this is, like, a whole nother A whole another. It's just, like, the games have the amount of variability to last for more than one year competitively. But the general public demand for a new cod every year is just there's too much money. It's too much money yeah, and it's a money thing. And, and that makes close, sense. And they haven't done something where they're like, all right, let's go like a war zone. Hopefully what they do with Warzone is they turn it into its own game and that they stop because they already made a BR with Black Ops four. They made a yeah. BR. It was pretty fun, but it was attached to Black Ops Four. What they should do is make one VR and then just work on that for the next three years and make it better and then release the side game, whatever the new game every year is. Yeah. I don't know. That's, yeah. that's my rant on that. I, 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 I think – Yeah, I've,
2: I've, you've covered all my questions about the game because I honestly had no clue about the COD scene coming into this. So yeah, you've answered a lot. <laughs>
0: uh, it's, it's, not, it's not looking great. And what sucks is because it's the first year of franchising, and it's a covoid thing happened that I don't know what the revenue looks like. I, I hope it's still, like, this is going to be a tough hit. Yeah. Like, the first year people put tons of money in this. Like, let's say, like, a lot of these teams, they get to host two opens, I think, for, per season, and that's a ton of money that just, like, Like, how these teams get revenue? Like, that's a huge part of them entering the league is they get the revenue from these opens that they have to host. And now it doesn't come in. It'll be interesting to see post-Coboid how a lot of these esports. um, I I know the Smash community is probably going to be jumping up for joy.
1: Oh, that's all the uh, fucking pros are screaming about is just waiting for uh, online or offline play to be the new meta.
2: Yeah, I mean, but then again, that's something people, are, players, are gonna to have to suck up and move on. I mean, it.
1: I just they, I they, they should
2: be lucky that they're still getting paid and able to compete right now, while everyone else can't. Like that, real that, athletes that, can't. They're able to p- still play the game. I mean, think about where they get their rise. They were playing online matches before. This is just they going back to their roots. I mean, I, I, I really think, think it's a, a kind of a there's it's there's a, a nonsensical. Deep. But you I mean, also I gotta think, you lose
0: so much. Comp- there. I, you, I struggle to call games competitive when they're played online. It's if the big, not a completely even playing field. I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think a LAN is just by far. i guess you're saying, yeah, of course, online is it, it works, but like, especially with Smash, like I can't imagine those sort of timings that you have to be playing with these delays. Like it's probably these, but. I'm a pro. I'd probably just toss my controller aside and go pick a job at the local pizza hut.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing about pros is not necessarily whether they're getting paid or not, but it's, you're being, you're seen as the best player in the world for like years, some people, and you're coming onto this new game and you're top 10, top two, even the best in the world at ultimate. And if you're getting beaten by like, there's a 13 year old kid that's running the scene now online. And not to say that he's not like skilled or, um worse of a player but the intricacies are totally lost and there's professionals that have worked and built their whole career based off of how well, well they perform at a game and the fact that they're losing now to these players that they normally never would it creates a, a damaged reputation to a certain extent some professionals are actually getting like a lot of hate from this and it, it's it's sad to see because this is their whole livelihood that is now getting somewhat tarnished you may say um due to this uh, upsetting situation. Obviously, they're still getting paid. They still have viewers and stuff like that. But it's the, it's the repu- reputation and, like, just their whole view on their career um, that I feel like takes the most tolls on these uh, professional gamers, especially yeah. in the Smash community. I think,
0: I think that what's cool about Smash, CS, League of Legends, Overwatch, Valorant, and all these games, though, is that these are, the, these are staple titles that will, are going to keep going, right? What sucks about it for the COD community is when we have a new title every year, there's like a world championship they host. And the new game is going to come in October, November, right? So the new game is coming. And this current game, I would be livid if they do a world championship online. Like,
2: yeah, you just can't have that. That's, that's why I see us go push our major back.
0: On, dude, if I had a million and a half dollars on the line for first place, you better believe I'm taking my team, we're hopping in a bus, and we're going somewhere as south into South America as possible, pitching up a tent, getting Wi Fi out there, and making people play on our servers. Like, yeah. It, like, why wouldn't you do anything you can to win? That's my point. Like, the, the, honestly, some of the esports, too, there's nothing stopping them from throwing up a thing in Kansas, a huge tent putting all the teams in their own little tents and having everyone drive in for those and just doing them on land, but just broadcasting them with no viewers. Like, yeah. Um, for esports, there's a way around this. And,
2: I, now I know for CS, the yeah. flashpoint they was talking about, they actually they transitioned online, but they were dabbling with the idea of putting people in apartments, the same apartment complex. Like
0: Pro sports too, man.
2: And, and uh, doing land connections within the apartments. That way you were with yeah. your team, but you weren't, like, interacting. I don't know. That, that was an idea, but honestly, yeah, this is going to blow over. For
0: the COD scene, they have refs that have oh. to be there because – well, dude, it, think about it because they have coaches too. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, like, there's so much shady things can go on when it is broadcasted. Yeah. The game's being broadcasted. It's a timing-based game, and you have dudes in the room who are also who are watching the broadcast. While you're playing, like they, they need some sort of otherwise, it would be a complete free, free for all. It'd be like three yeah. of us setting up our land system. We have a fourth guy telling us, like, yo, they're at B bomb right now, rotate now. Like, yeah, <laughs> you can't do that, it, it'd be broken. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah, well, uh, let me touch upon Overwatch and League really quick. This is what's mm-hmm. going on over yeah. there. Yeah, no. Um, Overwatch, honestly, their franchise system works really well, they have a Pacific region, which includes uh, the, the California teams and the Korean, Japan, and the Chinese teams. And then they have the Atlantic division, which includes the rest of America and the few European teams, Paris and London. Um, right now, Philadelphia Fusion is just dominating the league. The, the Philly team, Souter oh, convinced me to... Um, a
0: alarm, the Philly so. boys. They're doing really well. I thought, wait, wait, I thought the, um, oh, the fuel were good. No, uh, they are not Did the field um, win a tournament though? uh the uh, field they, they got they, they got. were good for a while,
2: but they dropped off drastically right now. Philadelphia Fusion has only dropped one game and like four maps, and they're like they're they're dominating the league right now.
1: Wow. um we but, saw that a lot early on in Overwatch, too wasn't there a team that like lost almost every game and there was just dominated by these like three or four teams like I, at least I remember when the games first started coming out competitively. yeah. Basically, a lot of with Overwatch League, a lot
2: of the teams are tied to an organization. So, like Cloud9 has their roots in one. The Los Angeles Kings has their roots in one. Mets do, I think, as well. Yeah, like these, like real. So, it's kind of weird how they've set it up. But I think what's better to talk about this is the um their hero pool update. So this is what Noah kind of touched upon earlier. But it's this idea that each week there's certain heroes that are banned from competitive play. And this is for the pros too. So this encourages wider variety in the metas and how you play characters. So like this week you have Tracer, Orissa, Moira, are banned, And Orissa is like one of the game's biggest, most played tanks at the moment. So now teams have to play around that this week. So I just think that's a cool way to kind of keep the meta changing, but also while, you know, introducing, you know, kind of different strategies because there's a point in Overwatch called the GOAT strategy which was three tanks and three supports, and it was the most boring thing to watch ever. No, your brother probably played in that timeline, no, buddy, didn't he? Buddy. He, I guarantee if you ask him about it, he'll say it was stupid. It was the dumbest thing ever. It was not fun to watch. Um, but, yeah, moving on to League, I think.
1: Wait, uh, I got I got some Overwatch questions. Oh, do you? To touch upon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know a little bit about Overwatch. Okay. Uh, the, the, one, the one thing that I think is important to highlight on Overwatch that I don't think, um, if you're not an avid, avid viewer, you might not know. But, like, with, I think, most games, CSGO, Smash, League of Legends, uh, with the exception of possibly, like, Call of Duty, I mean, less or so. But competitively, there's every game... Has the same rule set to a certain extent. I mean Smash are playing on different stages, but it's still three stocks, same timing, same selection of stage pools and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah. Overwatch, you're competing in three different ways. Mm-hmm. Correct? You have the uh you you have have the ca- assault, the capture, the uh hard point or whatever, and then the train um the payload, yeah. The payload, yeah. Is there like I know there's obviously um rankings within just over Overwatch overall, but is there like Specifically, do you see a lot of teams specialize in one over the other, or are there teams that dominate a certain aspect in Overwatch, like certain teams are really good at payload escorting, while others are good at um, assault and defense, or do you normally see that the teams win, usually dominate uh, throughout all three of the game modes?
2: So I think you actually see that it's less about the type of game mode, but really about which champs are better for which one. Some teams have really good DPS characters, which if, if you don't know, that means it's damage per second, which is really just the attacking characters, the t- characters supposed to be the heavy heavy hitters. Um, they actually, it depends on who you have on your team. So for example, Philadelphia Fusion has this guy, Karpa, who has just logged the first guy ever in Overwatch League to log 4,000 kills. Um, he's a damage player, and he's really good at what he does. But so on maps that don't encourage like choke points, you don't want to play squishy characters. But on maps that have like these tight angles you want to hold or that have like wide flowing things, you can play a little bit squishier because they're more mobile and you're able to move so around.
0: A bit squishier. Squishier.
2: Yeah, that's a term uh for champions that get burst burst down really quickly, low HP, and can get like one shot by other champs. Oh, uh, yeah, that that's a League and Overwatch term that have been used. Um, describe them. Like Tracer has hundred and fifty HP, but she's extremely mobile, so playing her on a payload map is kind of hard because that means you have to keep her near the bomb site and if they're trying to keep you from moving the payload uh you're going to get killed quickly but on, on an attack defense type of deal she can move around harass your offenses harass your defense um so it's really less about type of game mode but it's about who you're good at as a as a champion
1: so the character specialization is what really pushes the meta
2: yeah, character specialization pushes meta more than maps. Maps don't really make a difference to teams. I, I feel like there's some teams that definitely have an advantage on certain maps, just on how much they like it. But I overall, I think it's more—it's not like CS:GO where teams will certainly pick a map to veto out of the map pool. But it's instead like a champion thing where you want to counter pick or pick the champion you're most confident with.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, so it's like I'm yes, yeah, like we were saying before, Noah like. COD's got that system too with three different game modes. Mm -hmm. And Search and Destroy, like there's been now, like historically, like there's players that are strictly like sick search players. Um, And there's an aspect of the league which is yet to be tapped into, which I think eventually will, is that you're allowed to have a 10-man roster and are allowed to sub in mid-series.
1: Oh, that's huge.
0: And so what no one's done yet, which I'm hoping if someone has a brain, they'll do is you should have different teams per game mode. And they don't do that, which to me is like, like yeah. Yeah, I would get the five nerdiest dudes on this planet, <laughs> put them on my team, and when it comes on the S&D, all them. And then you have your five normal guys to run the respawns where they're like, know how to play the game, get kills, whatever. But people are like, oh, it might throw off the team chemistry if you're subbing people in and out. I wouldn't sub out one or two guys. Just put in like literally a five-man squad of just – dudes that spend all day on one game mode yeah like yeah people are just too comfortable with the old format uh which is understandable like i'd be pretty livid if i was a pro and it's game five in like the highest stakes which is the like map seven like the last map yeah and they put in five absolute like amateurs to win me (laughs) the money and then you are splitting the money 10 ways like I could see why it would be not the best scenario, but like if you're talking about strictly like winning, like I think, I think eventually it's going to happen, but yeah, TK, sorry, go on.
1: Yeah. I actually can uh, follow up with that. Um, as Smash Bros as well. Um, briefly touching upon this has something very similar that I actually uh, partake in, in a competitive series. So I do have experience with this is where it's something called a crew battle and it's all this is, is subbing out characters or subbing out players, uh, perhaps, to counter whoever is current king of the hill. So you have two different teams. If you win a battle head on with somebody else, you stay as king of the hill with whatever stocks you have remaining. And then the other team will pick the player that they think is most likely to beat you and beat you in a dominating uh, fashion. So it's an interesting take on um, competitive smash, but all it is, is just subbing out players uh, to optimize your advantage. And it is very frustrating to a certain extent when you are on the defensive and someone p- subs out somebody that is specifically designed to dominate a certain area um, in Smash and overall, like, dominated, uh, designed to dominate you. So, it is something that I can see if it does become the meta in other esports, will be a lot more of a frustrating aspect for a lot of players. But um, it's already apparent in some games and you can see like the huge effects it has.
2: Yeah, that's kinda why Overwatch kinda implemented this hero pool band mm-hmm. system. So that way you'd have this variety of who's being played, who's being picked, counterpicking is more of a thing. And that's a good transition into the night the final use for the night league. Uh they now have five bands per team. Now, of course, the league roster of champions is like eighty something at this point. There's so many characters to pick from and there's so many in the meta. But each team has a chance to Ban five, and then they get to pick five. So it's all about counter picking and strategies, which I think is really crazy.
0: Um, but in the I is, love I love ban and picks. And oh, it's fantastic. B-scores. They used to. So, like, I mean, I mean, I'm probably getting hella annoying with of this quality references. But, like, the old games, there's some games where you could pick and ban guns and mm, equipment I and that. perks.
2: Yeah, I do remember that. And
0: that was Black Ops 3. That's what says, one of the greatest games it was peak. Like, you would have teams come in there and ban the most the, – like, it'd be like banning the AK in, in uh C2 Yeah, Go. yeah,
2: it'd be ridiculous. Like, you ban
0: that gun, and then people are like, all right, like, who's actually good at the game and who's, like, just really comfortable using the same stuff? And then now the pick-ban system is just, like, maps. So, yeah, I, I would kill – because, like, to me, it was – like, there was perks like Dead Silence, something like we move silent course around the whole map. And you ban that and that everyone is playing like straight tur- turrets. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I think that pick ban system in esports brings a lot of, it brings variability, but not like in an unplayable way. It almost brings like a smash way where it forces people to actually learn the game. Yeah. Like a like, in football,
2: play the Patriots. And be like, yeah, I'm banning Tom Brady in this game. You got to play with your backup QB.
0: It'd be ridiculous. Yeah, it's like, yeah, no, like, like it'd be I mean, fun to I mean, watch. I'd actually probably enjoy real sports a lot more. But then they would ban the top guy. I don't know if they're ban guys, but it'd be like ban like I don't know, like punting them all. I don't know, something random. But yeah. Like, uh I know, I think that the pick ban system in esports in general is like really epic and really contributes to like I think with Smash, like it is such a good example of that. Like it actually brings out like this dude is you can't be one dimensional.
1: And yeah. and I think that's gonna be a bigger trend in a lot of the games that are more um uh, diverse with a lot of variability like in smash bros it's a completely diverse roster but if you didn't have a banning system and you had set stages some characters would just dominate and and that's the scary thing there's characters that are perceived to be pretty bad in the meta but on certain stages they dominate so it's it's hard to not have a banning system when there is a lot of variability because you're always going to have certain aspects of a game certain equipment guns characters or anything at your disposal that will really 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 be good against either certain players certain stages or other equipment guns characters as well so it, having that banning system really helps make sure nothing is too overpowered or dominating in a certain uh game mode so i think we're going to see a lot of that coming up in yeah. uh as games get more complex and uh variable and what's crazy was about
0: like that- valorant have any sort of is there uh, any intel tell on anything Valor related besides like they just released a beta and like, yo, Oh, credit? it's,
2: it, I mean, it's a tactical five on five search and destroy game.
0: Okay. I guarantee
2: you the band system will be maps or agents if they do that, but that's what they're called. The players, there's only like 10 of them out right now. They'll probably add more in the future, which is going to make the game even more convoluted and crazy when they add new players and new abilities. Um But that's, I mean that's the same thing with like. Can Overwatch. multiple?
0: Sorry, I haven't. I haven't played enough. Can multiple players run the same people?
2: No, if you're on the same, you could have them on opposite teams. But same with Overwatch, you could have them on opposite teams. But I
0: like that a lot, man. Yeah. But the problem with that for me is it ends up where. It's the same five being like, picked. You know, but something that I don't like where I'm in a one v one and I like, I'm against a different character. Like I, yeah. I feel like. The- I love that. Like to me, oh, that you play a game 1v1. that's
2: focused on one v one specific characters.
0: <laughs> I like, I don't know. I, I feel like if I'm in a one v one last round, and I like, I've got a different. I have to use this like support guy because my main Slayer is whatever Unreal. If he dies, and yeah. I'm in a one v one against their main Slayer. Like, and no, that's that's a big problem.
2: Is what I see because in Valorant, you're gonna have these guys different abilities. And unlike CS:GO, where each player has a built-in role, but they're all equal yeah. in terms of guns and and they armor, can also right? toss guns
0: and like pick yeah up they can pick up like stuff. Your op guys
2: like now in Valorant you can do the same, but there's also certain characters who are better on attack and better on defense, and better players better agents for the support role and for the attacking role. So if your whole team dies and you're in the support role where you bought like the like the smoke option and the like the i don't know the find out where everyone is on the map option or the resurrect ultimate like you're at a disadvantage you lack the offensive abilities to like attack the other team whereas in the games like counter strike where you all you have it's up to your individual aim to be better you could be the support player but if you can hit those one tap headshots you're gonna win the fight or like a league where you're built into specific positions if you win that one v1 their team has the advantage for the next forty five seconds so-
1: allow me allow me to put a counter argument out there just because uh I'm a little well versed in this um, my biggest my biggest like support for having a variety of characters and um not having head on obviously it's the most honest thing if everybody has the same equipment guns and setup and they're you're not having support against the heavy or vice versa but my favorite thing is In a well-designed game, um, at least a competitive game, each character has their own strengths and weaknesses. There's no character that has uh, no flaws or is way too overpowered um, in most mainstream competitive uh, scenes. But the biggest thing that many people do in that situation where where you're playing against somebody who is not the same setup as you are is a lot of – it causes you to think and – Try to force your opponent in an environment or a situation that is more favorable to your situation and your character. And I think having that, where you have maybe somebody who's better defensively and somebody who's better um, in an aggressive stance to kind of try to manipulate your opponent to put themselves in an unfavorable position, I feel like that is a lot more enjoyable for me to watch at least and for me to compete in rather than have um, a lot of head-on clashes and just have the best man win. I definitely like the whole um, the the manipulation and the trying to read what your opponent's doing and trying to predict or force their hand in a certain situation that favors you, even though you may have a perceived disadvantage. And that's what I enjoy about uh, just the variabilities.
2: Well, you'll be, you'll be shocked to hear uh, this podcast has been going on for an hour now. (laughs) We had a lot to talk about and I want to make sure we get enough time to cover our final game. uh, Just league. I want to talk about just the pro scene for a second here um cloud nine just won the lcs split for the first time since 2014 2015 uh with a dominant fashion set they went 17 and 1 in the regular season and uh didn't like only dropped like two two or three maps over the course of the playoffs so they dominated uh g2 locked in another title in the european playoffs once again with another dominant split against Fnatic. uh so they're just looking great right now. The, West, the Western teams are finally having a resurgence, and it's really going to be looking good overall for uh, league in general to see that Asia and, and China in general is not going to be dominating these, these games anymore. Um, and actually just kind of a transition, uh, just to one final topic. Uh, Valorant is the first chance that Asia has to be good at a first-person shooter to be the dominant region for an FPS because China has a lot of talent that you don't see because they are under a censorship wall like they didn't have access to CSGO until 2017 that I'm pretty sure pretty sure they don't even play COD over there but Valorant which is owned by Riot Games is already installed on every gaming lounge in China I I even went to one and yep Riot Games is there so all they have to do is this Add that to that, and then every guy in Korea has it. Everybody in Japan has it. Everybody in China has it.
0: Automatically that's on these company, launch. right? Ten
2: Yeah. Uh. Right. Yeah. Right. Games. Ten cent. Yeah, so now we
0: got now whether or not they'll be able to travel though to compete in events.
2: Yeah, but uh, that's where the regions come into play. Like league does it well with a franchise league in Korea, China, uh, North America, Europe. And then they bring all the best teams from those regions for the world. And China does allow them to travel. And they allow them to travel for Overwatch League Finals. So I, I think it will be interesting to see. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's been a full hour, guys. Uh, it's, been,
0: it's been two hours. It's been, yeah, like, it's been
2: more, than, more than an hour. It's like an hour 40 Oh, man. Hours.
0: Yeah. Well, well uh, I don't
2: have anything to say. Anything
0: else? Uh, I think I've, I think went pretty well. Uh, yeah, I, I think we talked our, our our mouths off for a bit, but I think with the first episode, we were kind of talking uh, a lot. We had a lot of general cover. game stuff, mm-hmm. and like the weekly breakdown of what happened last week. So I think the next <laughs> next episode, episodes in the future, will be a little more streamlined. Uh, and also more like just brief because there'll be less stuff to talk about. It'll
1: be more focused on certain aspects of games. I feel like we talked our mouths out about just gaming in general and our viewpoints on certain games. So that's where yeah. this went longer. But I, I definitely – we're not going to be addressing the same uh, topics and opinions in the coming episodes. It'll be a lot more focused and streamlined. So, And what's we'll the potential to bring on other people as well to yeah, talk I about. Did, I had fun. Yeah, I had oh, fun. No, I had I enjoyed myself. Anyone yeah. else if anyone watches
2: this, let us know if you want to hear anything else or
1: just drop a like and subscribe. <laughs>